Hey guys, what's up? It's Greg Trusvasti, Cinema Hodgepod. Latest, very quickly. We have two segments here for the Hodgepod. We have a spoiler discussion of Resurrection. That's the new thriller starring Rebecca Hall. The ending is completely out there and bonkers and inspired. I did not understand the ending. I had no idea what was going on. Eric Holmes had his take on the ending, but I was confused. That does not, that did not, that does not detract from my enjoyment of the film. Bruce Berkey has a really you know, interesting take on what happens at the end. He's very confident that his interpretation is pretty accurate. And it's a good read on what happens at the end regarding Tim Roth and his union with Rebecca Hall and a family that maybe they have or may not had. You're not going to, if you listen to this, it's a very niche segment. This is one, this is something that you can listen to. If you've seen the movie, you'll understand what we're talking about. Otherwise, you might not understand what's going on with resurrection. But anyways, I, I'm just uploading this for posterity for people who have seen resurrection again, starring Rebecca Hall, Tim Roth, currently playing in theaters. I really enjoyed it. And I, I believe, Bruce, yeah, Bruce loved it too. Mo, both Bruce and I really uh, recommend this movie. I believe Eric, I have, I have to look up his ratings as well, but I think he liked it as well, but not as much as, as me and Bruce. But anyways, we talk about resurrection in this hodgepodge segment. Finally, Eric this was this actually happened about a week and a half ago on our cinematics Facebook group that we I think it was Joseph Bridges, our Facebook group and member Joseph Bridges was saying, What would you guys like more from Find Your Film? It was a very cheeky, cute kind of post, very funny post from Joseph Bridges. And though and most people who responded said they would love to see Eric Holmes on mushrooms. And when I mean mushrooms, I don't I mean the I mean portobello and shiitake mushrooms. Who knows, Eric Holmes, he, he might have some garden mushrooms out, outside that he picked himself. And they would love, I think the respondents were, the, the biggest uh, reaction was most people would love to see Eric do a movie, review a movie on mushrooms. And Eric immediately complied. And for this segment, we have Eric Holmes on shiitake or, and or portobello mushrooms reviewing the film Baraka. Now, if you don't know what Baraka is, it's a movie that was made, documentary that was made back in 1992. It's directed by Ron Frick. Ron Frick is best known as the DP for the 1982 classic documentary Koyaanisqatsi. Now, Baraka is not as well known as Koyaanisqatsi, but it was still highly revered upon its release from my recollection in 1992. And here is the IMDb summary, quote, it is a, Baraka is a collection of expertly photographed scenes of human life and religion. Okay. So again, that is directed by Ron Frick. His last filming, we look at him. He hasn't done a film since 2013. It was a video documentary called Journey of Hanuman. And in 2011, he, he directed, actually, did he direct it? He lensed. No, he directed the documentary Samsara, which I believe also received it. Yeah. Samsara on IMDb. 8.4 out of 10 released in 2011. These are really interesting documentaries. I have no idea. Well, I guess I have kind of an idea why Eric Holmes wanted to eat some portobello and shiitake mushrooms for Baraka because it's a visually driven documentary. And yes, my mistake His he did not direct Journey of Hanuman. He actually was a cinematographer from this 2013 documentary. But anyways, yeah. So resurrection spoiler from Bruce Berkey, me and Eric. Okay, number one. And number two is a an Eric Holmes review of Baraka, the 1992 documentary. He is on shiitake or portobello mushrooms. Now, he's not on it. He's eating it. 
while he's reviewing Barack. Okay, so we'll have some more hodgepodge coming up next week. More mini reviews, I'm assuming, from Bruce and, and Eric and me. And I recently saw the movie Prey, and I'm not, I, the embargo is on August 4th. The movie comes out on August 5th. So I'm only allowed to give social media reactions to Prey, the critics are. And let's just say, yeah, again, August 5th on Hulu. I can't say anything. I'm embargoed regarding a, a, any kind of full review on it. But let's just say my social media reaction to Prey, which is a prequel to Predator, is highly, highly positive. So you'll hear, you hopefully you'll hear more coverage on Prey later this week for August 4th. And I believe Bruce Perky is trying to get a, a screening link, a screener link for Prey as well from the wonderful folks over at Disney. So me and Bruce will be reviewing that later in the week, hopefully. And also this week, we will be doing, we'll, we will be doing an interview with Jeremiah Kipp, the director from Slapface, a movie I really, really liked, really enjoyed. It's currently on Shutter, had its DVD release this week as well. And I believe it's available on VOD and digital. He'll be talking about Slapface, why it's an interesting movie. And also he will be discussing his Indiegogo project crowdfunding project don't pick up very interesting filmmaker from what i've seen from Slapface, and looking forward to actually checking out some more of his shorts that is it and love you guys thank you so much for listening to us on find your film and yeah this hodgepodge is not a seamless thing it's just we, we do a couple of segments here and hopefully some of these segments pop with you guys and you guys find value from some of these segments who knows Hopefully one of these things will pop with with you, uh, my, my dear listener. That sounds so pretentious. But anyways, have a great rest of the weekend. And thanks again for listening to us on Find Your Film. Take care. Bye. Hey, guys. I lied. I'm, this is this is my second intro. I apologize. Before we get to this, this stuff, I'm going to add another segment. I forgot to mention this in the intro. I'm, one, once in a while, I'm going to, or maybe often, I'm going to throw up. Throw, I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw out. I'm going to throw out some interviews I, I've done over the last several years that maybe didn't make the cinematics feed or maybe if they made the cinematics feed or, or movie, even movie mainline feed. I don't know. The, these are interviews that happened way back when, maybe just a couple of years ago, several years ago. I'm going to look, I'm going to go back in the, in my interview archives to post up some previous interviews I've done. This one, just because I really like him as an actor, I've interviewed him a couple of times over the years. And Jeff Fahey, Jeff friggin' Fahey, what an actor. I'm sure you have, you remember him from Lawnmower Man, probably, and White Hunter, Black Heart. A lot of you might know him as the pilot from Lost. So a couple of years ago, I interviewed him for this film called Intrigo Samaria. So I will actually put the Jeff Fahey interview after Eric's shiitake mushroom, portobello mushroom incident. I mean, I'm not going to say incident. Let's just say the incident was a review. But after that, if you want to tag on, and you you can actually listen to my interview from a couple of years back with Jeff Fahey. Very, it's a very good interview. Very introspective person, and yeah. Also, it's not going to be as in the best quality. It's in a, it's in a mono quality because a lot of these some of these interviews will be from my phone interview, from my iPhone interview, and I didn't mix my my Zoom with the actual um, with with the actual interview. So, anyways. Jeff Fahey at the end. All right. Love you guys. Bye. So are we going to talk really quick about Resurrection? Yes. <laughs> oh, you, yeah. You want to talk about it? Just, yeah, just so, well, I mean, Eric just wanted to hear what I had to say and he's probably going to change his mind at all, but. Okay. You know right. what? Actually, we're, we're going to, we're going to actually, um, we can actually record this. So um, while you're saying to, 
can you, you well, we're going to record your your take on resurrection and can put it on the website okay is that good and whatever you guys say too i mean just okay chime in. So, okay so um you have nothing eric because you don't okay bruce you have something i have nothing i'm like kind of like eric i'm lost so let's hear okay, well what, what do you guys how do you guys read it first of all like what do you read as the basic story plot and or ending of resurrection um, oh, go ahead. I, I saw it as uh, so th- the story doesn't matter because it's all in her head. It's she's just mm-hmm. going nuts, and that's why her uh, daughter and her boyfriend or whoever he is, fuck buddy, whatever you want to call it, um, they're concerned about her. Um, and then her, uh, well, not really coworker, intern, I guess, what, whatever she is, um, she's kind of in a position where. Uh, she could get fired by her. So she's just kind of taking this all in. And so she's just clearly going nuts. Um, as far as why the baby's inside Tim Roth's stomach, I have no idea. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess That's mental okay. illness, mental illness uh, pushes away your family, I guess. <laughs> okay. And then, yeah. Greg, how do you come out down on it? I mean, the emotions I got was to, it's a woman who's scarred by her past. She is all obviously overcorrecting. And maybe there's nothing wrong with overcorrecting. She's trying to be a good mother. The most important person in her life is her daughter. What throws me off is Tim Roth. We're talking about chess games here. Tim Roth comes in and he's saying, hey, you know what? Your daughter, as much as you think she's important, she's not as important as the baby in my stomach. And I'm thinking, what? So then you're thinking about how important is that baby? Who's that baby? What's that from? Is that a sim- symbol of her past? So I just was completely lost in that. All uh, I came out the movie thinking, yeah, it's a woman who's not letting her daughter live. She's like incubating her in the apartment. She doesn't want her to lead her life. I could understand that as as an overprotective uncle myself. That's the only part of it that I understood. The other stuff about just when she tries to scoop up and and just cut right into Tim Roth's belly and to try to unearth the kid. And at the end, she's holding the kid and then the the daughter's holding the kid. But then you realize it's shot in like a really white-ish kind of, like Eric was saying, a dreamscape situation. But then at the end, the final shot is she she gets terrified because maybe she's snapping out of the dream. I don't know. That's my read on it, and I want to hear your more evolved okay. take on it than me and Eric. I don't know I if it's evolved, but I, I literally think some things actually happened. So here's what I think: literally, the story she tells is true. The story okay. she tells in the middle of the thing is true. So okay. essentially, when we see her at the beginning of the movie, she has basically reclaimed her life. She's living a normal life. <clears throat> She's essentially a survivor of a cult. She is someone who basically was in a cult of one with this dude. When she was really young, she essentially was reprogrammed by this dude into this weird, crazy cult. Um, he did kill her original child. He killed him, killed him, and probably just buried him somewhere or whatever, and told her this crazy story as a way to control her. And he's and so basically he comes back into her life, like you actually see. And it triggers her back into this whole world again. And he's, and he's basically trying to, to pull her back into this life. And I see it as he fucked up. He basically fucked up. He controls her with his, with a terrible plan by telling her that her baby is inside of him, which was a very bad move because he didn't ever plan on the fact that she's actually going to believe it enough and go off the rails and become insane enough by the end that she's going to actually 
want to cut out her own baby from him. He thinks he can control her with this stupid concept and get her back into his like little cult. It fails, obviously, because she says, I believe it now and I'm going to get my baby back. And she cuts him open. And at the end, she is holding probably his stomach or his liver. Not a baby, but she thinks it's a baby at that point. And that that final little scene, I actually talked to Peter Beta about this a little bit. We both don't kind of like that final little scene, that carry moment. That's basically a carry moment. She's her daughter never came back to her. That, that scene never happens. That very last scene. She's, she's straight up nuts at that point. She either in the, in a moment of reverie, like totally like checked out from, from reality at that moment where she thinks she's holding her baby and she's imagining this, her daughter coming back to her and, and being a, a family again, her daughter's gone forever. Her daughter left her really left her. And she's just, she could be in an asylum at that point. I think of it almost like the ending of, of psycho, you know, where there's that moment where Norman is essentially totally dissociated. Now he's mom forever because he's sitting there in the cell. Right. I think that's essentially where she's at at the end of the movie. Wow. Okay. I, I guess we're, um, great. Read. It's kind of like, uh, the, the, the spoiler we're debating on with, uh, Nope. Yeah. I, it, it's like, it, that it's a good theory, but like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that movie does support it. It's just, I, I guess one of the, so the, the, the part <clears throat> with their story where she's talking about how they killed the, killed the baby. I feel like I missed something. How is he not in prison for murdering a kid? Don't know. I mean, <laughs> she's see, it's, it's, this is the problem with the movie, right? She is an unreliable narrator that's been through this cult and been programmed by this guy to believe some crazy yeah. shit happened. So you're never sure exactly what he actually did and what he actually didn't do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess conceivably it could be like, she never had a baby at all. And he convinced her that she had a baby and then he did that to it too. He could have done that as well. Or he doesn't exist at all. That's totally possible. Yeah. That's absolutely possible. I guess that's one of the, one of the issues, big issues I had with this was um, if, if everything's in question, then you can't believe anything. Like See, it, if he, it, it, it's just a bunch of, it's just a, whoop, it's <laughs> It's just a bunch of things. Well, it's just a bunch I, of stuff happening. See, I think that to my my way, actually, for me, it makes more sense because if if you think that it's basically he's a figment of her imagination, then what is the inciting incident? Like, why does she all of a sudden see him, and why does she all of a sudden go down this crazy road? Whereas, yeah. I think that you could question in my situation, you can question what he exactly did. But mm-hmm. his actual existence is real, and his actual control over her is real, and it's really just. You don't have to know precisely how he controlled her, her okay. point of view, but he controlled it. He controlled she, it and he fucked her up. She went to the cops. This guy is, I need to get, his, uh, uh, I need to get a restraining order. Well, what did he do? Well, nothing yet except kill your son. <laughs> yeah. Like how come none of this comes out? Like, that, yeah, that's, that, a, that, that's that, a good question. Is, these are other stuff. Uh, parts that kind of frustrate me about this is like characters should be doing certain things. I need to go back and, and watch that monologue again. And the characters should be says. doing and saying certain things in certain situations. And then she's just like completely oblivious and she's not stupid. Right. Um, I think so, a second so the, watch the, would the, be better for this. But I think, yeah. I think the reason she acts the way she does towards her daughter is she's afraid for her daughter. Right. I, so she I, doesn't want her daughter to like know that she was this fucked up in her past. I get that. 
So I, I get that, but like <clears throat> it, again, back at the back at the police station. Um, hey, uh, my old uh, ex is uh, just happened to be at places I'm at. Yeah, what's the big deal? Well, he murdered our child, so first of all, he should be in prison for that. But uh, <laughs> since you guys don't want to, maybe uh, you just keep him the fuck away from me so he didn't kill my other child. But is it one of those things where no one ever even saw the child? Because it sounds like she was essentially at that point, she was stuck in this house in the middle of nowhere with him. Perhaps and never but, and never allowed to leave. And it's like the one time the way she tells it is the one time she left, yeah. she came back and it was just gone. But I mean, that's that's a that's a conversation you have to bring up if you're going to the cops about this, because right. he, he's dangerous. Why is he dangerous? Because of what he did. What did he do? Uh, fucking <clears throat> apparently put his baby in the uh, oven. <laughs> is that- <laughs> yeah. All right. Cinematics and oh, film and listeners. Yes. One, one last thing. I, I do uh, I do appreciate the uh, the nod to Gremlins with uh, Kate's uh, chimney story about her dad dressing up as Santa Claus. <laughs> what? I'm complete. I remember that the, from Gremlins, the, the but scene there's... the scene where she's talking about her past. It, 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 I, I was watching that going, wow, this is like a really oh, yeah. art artful version of that part. In Gremlins. Oh right, I, I I really did like that part. That's an amazing I, part. I, That's an eight minute monologue. Yeah. yeah, I acknowledge there's definitely some great leaps you have to make in this movie. For whatever reason, I did it in this movie. Like, for example, the the, the intern keep walking in just so she could give her exposition was terrible. <laughs> like, right? I mean, we know that. Like, hey, come in, intern, so I can tell you this crazy story from my past. But I was like, at that point, for whatever reason, the, the bat shitness of it, I was, I was in. <laughs> but also, that's yeah. a that's a cool thing about this movie is because. Um, all the stuff I bring up are hallmarks of bad scripts, bad writing, yeah. uh, just plot holes. Um, but it's still it's still a good movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah how the fuck does movie. that work? I don't get it. All right, find your uh, film. Rebecca action. Hall is how it works. <laughs> yeah, that's where, and, and Tim Roth. Tell us what yeah. you think about your your ending of, of Resurrection. This is our little mini spoiler. Thanks to Bruce because he gave some really good stuff, and then thanks to Eric as well. So tell us what you think. Whether I'm going to put it on findyourfilms.com or YouTube or whatever, whatever, we'd love to hear your thoughts on Resurrection. Does it work for you? All right, guys, we will see you soon. Hello, this is Eric with Find Your Film. And I was asked to uh, take some shrooms and check out a movie. And then review the movie. Uh, by the time the movie's done, I'm pretty sure they'll be getting kicked. And I just took them a few minutes ago. So then they're... 10 minutes or so before they really started taking hold of the movie I'm going to watch tonight is called Baraka. Um, not typically a fan of the Mortal Kombat movies. Uh, they're fine, but Hey, who knows? Maybe this one will be good on uh, mushroom. So we'll, we'll see. We're going to check back later. I uh, got some good ideas uh, from Peter beta, Andrew Martin and Joseph bridges. Um, and I don't think this will be the last time I do that. So I'll just kind of, uh, I'll just kind of, uh, you know, put this on a list, put these, put that, put the movies on a list and, uh, do some more in the future. Unless I freak out, then this will be the last one. <laughs> I don't think that'll happen. Um, but yeah, we're going to check out this Baraka move and see, um, see what that's all about. Give it a couple more minutes to kick in, but, uh, you won't see that. Um, it'll just cut right to my review provided i'm not so fucked up that i forget how to use this thing uh because uh 
you know, if I'm being honest, this is the second time recording because I didn't hit record the first time. So already off to a bad start. Anywho, we're going to check this shit out and we'll talk to you shortly. So I finished the movie Baraka and I, I guess just so I don't think the, uh, I don't believe the shrooms are hitting me as hard as I thought they would. In a nice body high, so that's good, but I'm not seeing, I'm not like tripping out a lot. I'm being, trying to be kind of quiet because it's pretty late here. Everyone's asleep and I don't need to be waking them up, bloviating about my thoughts on movies and such. So, um, what can I say about Baraka? Not quite the, not quite the Mortal Kombat movie I was expecting, but they took some, they did take some risks on this one. Um, fact, I'm not even sure I saw the character in there at all. It's mostly just a bunch of uh, nature shots, but they're really beautiful nature shots. Started off with the stars, where we all came from, and then goes on to uh, some kind of nature shots, not with much life in it, like uh, animals. Oh, you see plant life for sure. And then we start seeing a few more animals and then humans. And I wonder if that's that's what the movie's getting at. Because we see humans and uh, <clears throat> I don't think they pretty sure we don't have a time travel technology yet. So they probably went back uh, you know, into some uh, I don't know what's the proper way to man, like uh, undeveloped air quote, undeveloped countries and took shots of the people there. Um, like they were doing like a, it seemed like a haka, but it didn't look like a, um, it wasn't a war dance. I don't think it looked like they were praying, but it was like, chaka, 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 chaka. it was really cool. Um, it also kind of sounds scapey. Like I think they use some of the real sounds and probably mix it in with the, uh, maybe the score. I don't know. Don't know how they did that, but it sounded cool. Yeah. I wish it was more fucked up. Maybe we could uh, do something more interesting. Uh, maybe we should have saw something else. I watched Kate again. That was a good one. Or actually Watership Downs over there. Call my name. Maybe I'll watch that and see what I think of that. But as for Baraka, it, it was very pretty. Pretty look at. Um, I don't know. That I got, don't know that I got a lot to say. Got a lot of thoughts on it, but it's hard to hear thoughts. Yeah, yeah. If I put my head to the microphone, that's not that's not going to do it. Let's try this again. Can you hear that? No. No. Well, that's fine. Um. It's pretty, pretty cool. The, what was it? Carl Sagan said something like, we're the universe's way of being able to uh, see itself or something to that effect. Maybe that's what Brock is saying. Because, um, yeah, you know, shows the uh, shows undeveloped countries, then shows uh, humans um, excavating the earth. Um cutting down trees and so on and so forth, you know, shows, uh, cities, big cities, uh, 
it kind of illustrates what humanity has done to the earth um, for good and bad, I think. Um, at the end of the day, what's our species supposed to do? Probably explore more of the universe. I mean, you could say we're ruining the earth, and we probably are, but I guess there's a thought that maybe we're supposed to exploit the earth to our benefit so we can leave the earth, go to another planet, exploit that, eventually exploit uh, the stars. Uh, there's like a, a different like a levels of species you get to once you can do that. And then hopefully, uh, you know, if things go right, uh, eventually just be able to control the universe to our whim. And that's extremely arrogant, but <clears throat> and I guess that's the point. If not, then I guess the point is we, when you come to Earth, you know, we live, we die, and that's it. That could be a thing, too. Maybe uh, leave it the way we left it, but that's also boring. Can we, can we progress as a species, or can we progress as Earthlings? Because um, it takes the animals and plants and all sorts of life working together in their own little ways. You know, a, a dolphin's not going to create a spaceship, but just they're in their own way in an ecosystem. They help contribute. You know, I don't make a spaceship either, but I suppose I contribute in my own little way. So maybe, maybe that's a point. Try to help more than you hurt. Add to the, uh, add to the pot, so to speak. And get life forms out into the universe at the, at the beginning the end of Baraka, they made a point to show the uh the night sky so we'd see stars and so forth beyond our own star obviously soul the sun um maybe all the stuff we're doing to exploit the earth is to reach out to other people other beings in the universe hmm? maybe we're the only ones Maybe we're the first ones, or maybe we're the last ones. Who, who knows? I don't know how that works. There's people a lot smarter than me that uh, can think about that stuff, but I can think about it. I just, anyway, um, yeah, there wasn't any real Mortal Kombat fights, so to speak. There was uh, some violence for sure, but not the pulpy kind of violence you would expect in a Mortal Kombat movie. Um, what else? I don't know. Those shrooms are pretty good, though. Like, I'm not tripping, but I got a nice body high going. It's feeling pretty good. So don't do drugs. But if you do, do shrooms because they're pretty right on. I didn't get sick this time. That was awesome. Normally, I'll take them. <clears throat> I'll take them. And then after a couple of minutes, I'll get sick. So I got to lay down for a bit. And then once that goes away, and then I wake up and start seeing cartoons all over the place. That's not the case here. Um, but yeah, speaking of cartoons, though, I think I'm going to watch Watership Down. I think I'm going to do that right now. And I might talk about it when I get done, or who knows. <laughs> well, if, if I got something to say about Watership Down, I will. But if I'm just going to be babbling on like I am now, probably not. This is fucking stupid. I'm sorry, Greg. <laughs> um, yeah. That's about it. Brock is good. And the music's really good, too. So, I don't know. Check it out. Don't. You do what you want. I'm not here to tell you what to do. You're all big girls and boys. You can make your own decisions. 
Unless you're a child listening to this, in which case, uh, eat your vegetables and don't listen to this. <laughs> All right, that's it. How are you, Jeff? Hey, Greg. How are you doing, brother? Great, great, man. I, I interviewed you uh, maybe five, six years ago uh, for that awesome film, Beneath, and I really loved this film as well. Um, one of the things I really loved was how it wasn't your average suspense mystery thriller. It was really more of an exploration of just the dynamic uh, between people. Is, is the character-driven element of yeah. this movie, was that the big draw for you as a storyteller? That definitely it was one of them. I mean, I, I, I like to kind of call this an intelligent, stylized uh, European thriller. Um, and you hit it on the nose there because it is, it's a study of a, a psychological study of character with that plot riding along. And, and so, uh, the, the, the characters, yes. And the story, uh, you know, obviously based on the, the, one of the, the trilogy of the novellas was, was very interesting, but, um, I was also excited to be able to work, uh, once again, I'm always uh, fascinated and intrigued to work with international crews, uh, meaning the cast, the directors, the cinematographers. And um, and when my friend uh, Rick Dugdale, who produced this, talked to me about uh, he was putting these three films of this trilogy together, he and, um, and Daniel uh, would be directing all three. I thought it was fascinating, and uh, I wanted to jump right in. Even actually, even before I read it, I, I wanted to be part of the uh, the adventure. Yeah, you, you know, Jeff. No matter what role you take, just as a viewer, it seems to me that each role is infused with maybe a lot of backstory and suffused with just a lot of history. Uh, is that just um, is that is that just me jumping to conclusions, or do you really, with no matter what role you take, whether it be in cinema? Or on the stage, there's a lot of prep before the the camera or things start rolling on, on stage. Oh, you're asking, I, you went out there a bit, Greg. You're asking oh. me of the characters that I take. Yeah, I mean, is there? Yeah, like, is preparation just a big part of who you are as an actor? Because it seems that that no matter what role you take, you you bring so much. It seems you bring so much research and and um, heart to your, to your respective projects? Well, I think it, it, that's a very good question because um, I was having this discussion uh, uh, over the phone just the other day with a, a couple actor friends. And I think, you know, we have different, different stages that we as, as uh, individuals and, and as actors go through in our life and our career. And, and the, that early stage, we're, we're approaching something with and learning our craft and our technique and bringing, trying to find out what's in the character, what's on the page. And then as we evolve and grow, we're, we learn how to bring more of ourselves, our experiences, not changing the character, but just applying different levels. And so I think just naturally over the years, uh, it's the, the characters, yes, that I'm attracted to within the story. But I think just by uh, the, the time and experience, one is able to bring uh, another added level of, of character to something simply because more of that we understand more of life or experienced a bit more. Does that make sense? You know, that makes sense, Jeff. And I remember 
I've been interviewing people for the last 20, 30 years. And whenever I ask people about working with Clint Eastwood, they would always say he's just a great filmmaker because he's so efficient in his filmmaking as a director. He's very efficient in his work days. And when I was a kid, I used to think to myself, well, that doesn't sound very enticing to me. But as I get older, that level of efficiency and craftsmanship is something I really admire. I'm just wondering from you, did you always appreciate that talent when you were working with Clint or has that experience in, made, in many ways deepened as you've grown as, as an artist and, and, and as a person as well? Well, I think what happens is when somebody's around something like that uh, in the early stages again, I think um, just like a, a piece of music or, or a painting, it's like uh, with directors and filmmakers, there's things you dig that you're, you're instinctually attracted to in your early age, yeah. but as you, as you grow, then that what you felt was something you dug, you now learn to appreciate it because you understand it more. And so as far as efficiency is concerned, what we thought back then might be somebody working fast. You look back on it now and realize it, it, they were working fast because they could get to the certain depths and, and accomplish what they needed quicker, which hopefully you as a performer can do now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it's in, it's in all our work. You're doing it. Your interviews, I'm sure, have evolved and they're much more efficient and yet even deeper than they were uh, 10 years ago. You know, um, speaking of which, I interviewed Phoebe Fox last week and I asked her about what she learned from working with you. And she said, as great as it, as it was working with you, it was the time she had with you off the set and the pearls of wisdom that you would offer in just the conversations. And I'm wondering, in just in a big picture, how much did that mean to you to, to work with fellow actors and share your life experiences? Because maybe, in a sense, that off-screen uh, camaraderie can feed itself into the actual story itself, I'm, maybe I'm assuming. Oh, Absolutely. It, it, no, absolutely, Greg. Honestly, that really is. That's uh, that's the part of the whole experience that that one doesn't uh, know about when they're watching the movie, but you can certainly feel it in the relationships. I mean, you know, you have craft and technique, and you, sometimes you're working with somebody that the vibe isn't that great, yeah. and but yet the story still comes across. But I really, truly think in the in the, the human experience, the the closer people are of understanding one another and sharing stories, uh, the the different places they can go and uh, during the process of making film, you know, it's it's just so. It, in answer to your question, it's extremely important to me because uh, years ago it was the it was the experience and the adventure and the job. But now, I mean, I can do a film and, and um, one never knows where that film is going to go. But the, the friendships and the relationships that you, you have during the filmmaking not only make you a better person, they make you a better actor. Uh, uh, they give you a different uh, perspective on, on so many things that your, your um, relationships, like Phoebe's talking about, that uh, you develop on uh, during the work process. I think it's a, it's a win-win all the way down. Yeah. You know, I, one of my, um, I asked my podcast listeners to, if they, have, if they had any questions for you. And the question that jumped out for me was from 
um, this guy named Chris Dudley, and he wanted to ask you, quote, are you planning on bringing some of your real-life humanitarian efforts surrounding refugees into a personal film project? Well, a good question, and actually I'm asked uh, quite often about that, and I almost feel um, uh, very protective about that work, and um, uh, I get... it's. Well, I'm very protective of it, if, if that makes sense. And I would, I, I almost feel that I would be taking advantage of, of uh, certain tragedies uh, to, to make a, a film. Uh, uh, and I, w- I would prefer just to do the work and uh, leave the filmmaking of that subject up to other film filmmakers. Um, I mean, at least that's how I feel now because. Uh, uh, I get more work done on the ground. Yeah. And, 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 and it's a completely valid question because one can say, well, you can bring, you can shine the light on these, these situations by, by making a film or writing a book. Um, but, uh, well, it's, it's a, it's a question that I'm still struggling with myself. You know, Jeff, I want to ask you, you could have easily been complacent in your acting career and just, I don't know, set up shop in, in Hollywood or West Hollywood and just do tent pole studio films for the rest of your life. But I, I think what I love about your body of work is you're just a world traveler when it comes to arts and humanity. Mm-hmm. Has that always been a, a big passion of yours and was staying in one place and becoming this A-list actor for the rest of your life, not even in the cards because you want to do so much more creatively with your life. Is that, is that a, a fair assumption? Well, I think that uh, I've always, uh, I never really wanted to be identified as any one thing in particular. Yeah. And, and even when it comes to the humanitarian work uh, and the film, rather than uh, be looked at as a so-called artist or so-called humanitarian, I prefer to just uh, put it all under the umbrella of um, an adventure. And uh, one thing has led to the other. And what's been wonderful is I didn't have to leave anything behind, but rather add all the experiences in this world and that world uh, together. Because what I've learned in, in, in film and theater and television and in the, the industry has helped me immensely in the, uh, the world of uh, the humanitarian world and vice versa. What I've learned out there has helped me immensely as far as uh, uh, the way I work and the way I approach the work. Jeff, my, my final question to you is, I know this is a tough question, but I'm sure you have a lot of favorite films, but right off the top of your head, can you name one specific film that even to this day, uh, has a personal resonance for, for you, and what makes it a unique film from your perspective? Oh boy! Sorry this about that. Funny, you know it. And, and, Sorry, uh, because there's, <laughs> there's so many different reasons and categories. Uh, uh, you know, I was just just the other day I was watching that wonderful documentary uh, called Five Came Back about uh, you know the five. Uh, great film directors who who right. went to the Second World War and came back and and uh, so many of their films are are up there on the top list you know and uh, for for all sorts of different reasons and that's a tough one really uh, because it it opens up a Pandora's box of 
uh, favorites of, of what? I mean, I think so many directors that I've worked with. There's there's so many films that, that I'm not even part of that are, are favorites. I want to answer yeah. this way, if I may. Okay. I think it's come down to the people that I've worked with over the years and the people that I wished I had worked with. Um, yeah. And, you know, you, again, we get to this place, and I don't want to at all sound... Uh, dark or morbid, but this this is rather it's rejoicing in this great uh, time that I've had over these years. And as I said, I'm, I'm 67 and I'm just getting started. And I hope to meet a lot more cool cats out there, great filmmakers, and and um, and keep moving. And how's that for dodging a, a question? That is that is a great question. And, and before you go, when they, well, Jeff, when they say quote a life in the theater. For you, when you when you hear that phrase, a life in the theater, has that, in, I guess, to overstate the point, maybe, or maybe not, has that in a way fed your soul or continue continue to feed your soul that that life in the theater? I think I'm, I'll, if you don't mind, I, I mean, I, I I really dig that phrase, but I would say, for me, it's the it's the the, the life of the adventure, of it all. Yeah, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. All right, man. Anytime. Anytime. All right.